Welcome to the show. I'm your host, Dylan Tonkin. And on this episode, I'm going to try to play a little bit of catch up, but I really want to get some information out there that I think could be really helpful to some of those of you that are just about ready to put your two weeks notice in, put your six weeks notice in, and say goodbye to your employer before you set out on uh, your first through hike. So I know whenever I was in your position, I was beyond excited and nervous, and I was focusing a lot of my time and my effort and my money in the wrong places. What I want to try to do is help you to better plan, and I don't even want to use the word plan, just prepare for your first through hike after going through my my ATM, my PCT preparation, and then my successful through hikes in 16 and uh, 2018 also. There was a lot of things that I, I know that I did right, and there was a lot of things that I figured out later on that I had done wrong or just totally wrong, and I focused a lot of time and energy in the wrong places. So what I want to try to do is help you to more efficiently prepare. I guess that's the best way to explain it. So I know it's been a little while since I put an episode out. Um, I really wanted to focus on some other things during the holiday season. I spent a lot of time with my friends and my family um, through Thanksgiving and and Christmas and the New Year's, and we just actually got back from a ski trip Um, yesterday. We went uh, skiing with uh, uh, my fiance Elise with her brother, who is a ski patrol in Pennsylvania. So we went and did a little little day trip, but there was just a couple other things that um, I wanted to focus on. I did a lot of hunting. I did so much hunting, not as much as I would have liked, but I don't know anybody who hunts who hunts more than than they want to. But had a great season. Once things kind of wrap up here in a couple of weeks, I'm going to do a recap of my season. And I'll say it, it's been a long time since I had that much fun and we got into some new experiences, did some sea duck hunting with pit boss, waterfowl, Jeff Coates out of uh, Ocean City, Maryland, had a fantastic time. Um, I'm going to get Jeff on a podcast. I talked to a friend of mine, his name's Chad Wells, who is a fantastic chef here in the greater Baltimore area. And he was actually on the Diners, Drive-Ins, and Dives, I think it was called. Um, He was on an episode of that, but he's just a fantastic person. He's a fantastic chef and just the the, one of the most interesting, unique people I've ever met and uh, befriended. So Chad agreed to be on the podcast. I got a bunch of really, really cool people that um, are excited to come on and and kind of explain their lives and how they were able to create this lifestyle that that they live. but that's you know that's going to be in the next couple of weeks uh, now that we're starting to get ramped back up and things in the outdoors for me are slowing down just a bit. Um, in February, my, my buddy Wheels from Georgia and my buddy Kid from up in Vermont, I think he's living now. Those are two of the guys I did most of the, the Appalachian Trail with. Um, together, the three of us are going to do a podcast in February before we go on a a four-day hike with another friend of mine named Chad North. And Chad is a good friend of mine and a fantastic person. Chad, if you can remember his company, North by North, I carry two of his products on the PCT with me. And I use his his products. He has the company's North by North. He has a, a handkerchief, a kerchief, and a hooded neck gaiter. And they're all merino wool products. So Chad's going to be on a podcast also. I still got to get him. He lives a little bit farther away, but I just, I mean, it's such a better format if we can actually just sit down and hang out and talk. So uh, some of my my previous guests, I talked to Johnny Stash, aka John Brennan is down in Florida right now. He just got his tarp 
and his custom backpack in from Light AF Gear in New Jersey, I believe, and Turbo Stash is getting ready to start his um, Florida Trail FKT. Looks like he's been putting a lot of miles in. He said he feels really good. I'm really confident that he's going to really, really kick some butt out there on the Florida Trail. So please make sure you go back and listen to his episode. Really, really good episode. Turned out fantastic. Um, talk to him a lot, which is good. It's it's always good for me to reconnect with those those people that I met on the trail. And part of this podcast has been, you know, just reaching out to those folks and sitting down with them again and helping you to understand how impactful something like a through hike or starting your own, you know, business, being an entrepreneur, how some of those things can easily be achieved by anybody. Um, it, it's been a lot of fun. So, all right, let's get back to, to uh, what we're trying to accomplish today. I have a lot of information and a lot of it's, you know, stuff that's already available out there in, you know, various websites. Um, but I'm going to give kind of my spin on it or my uh, my experience and let you know where I'm at with, with some of the things. But um, whenever it comes to somebody who is preparing for their first thru-hike or even their second, third, fourth, twelfth thru-hike, one of the first things I really think is important is to take a moment and recognize the accomplishment and congratulate you or them in making the decision and taking the necessary steps to start and hopefully successfully finish a through hike. Just the act of making the commitment and starting, you know, there's so many people out there that I know that have said, oh, you know, that's on my bucket list. That's something I've always wanted to do. And really the only person holding them back is themselves. And the difference between the, the person that steps foot on Springer or Campo and the person that doesn't is their commitment. How committed to it are we? And we all have, you know, a million excuses. I have a, a job and I have a mortgage. And it's, we have all made those choices to have that, you know, that expensive car, that that mortgage, um, those kids. There's people who hike every year successfully with children. There's also people who hike successfully post-retirement. So the only person truly holding us back from accomplishing a through hike is ourselves. And once we take that personal responsibility and make that choice to choose our own happiness, Man, the sky's the limit. Um, once once we get out and, and get on trail, it's like, man, I wish I had done this um, sooner and I hadn't waited until retirement or I hadn't waited until um, all the all the lights were green and, and just made it happen. And you, you really truly learn to adapt while you're out there. And if we could adapt better before we started, I think that there would be a lot more people um, that were actually starting and successfully completing their through hike. So first things first, congratulations. I'm so proud of you. And I hope that I'm able to somehow help you to have a successful through hike, whatever success looks like to you. Um, I say that one of my friends, his name's James Scott. He's a writer. And he, him and I met writing for Appalachian or Appalachian Trials, however you want to pronounce it, Appalachian Trials, um, in 2016. And we met that way. And he was a, an overweight guy. He was really struggling physically to to complete it. And I don't know another hiker who I'm more proud of than than James. And I, I've spoken about him maybe on the podcast. I know in some other formats I have. But it took him six months to make it to Harpers Ferry, West Virginia from Springer Mountain. He started out very slow, five, six, seven, eight miles a day. And 
he made it halfway, but man, he lost a hundred pounds. The guy was just uh, so mentally strong and, and he knew why he was out there and he knew what he was looking to accomplish. And he, I think he knew that it would be very difficult for him to finish, but I'll be darned if he just wasn't one of the, the nicest people. And I'm, I'm so beyond proud of him. So, uh, su- success to him didn't necessarily mean climbing, climbing atop Katahdin at the end. Uh, and I know he's very proud of, and he should be proud of his hike, uh, just a, a fantastic person. So, um, I know one thing whenever, whenever it came to my AT through hike, um, I had always wanted to do it. I was the kid that grew up with a little map on my wall and I had met through hikers in, in like the nineties, I think, and always was just something I want to do, something I want to do. And it was something that was always inside of me. And I, I know that not everybody had that opportunity to, to know about the Appalachian Trail, but, um, growing up the way that I did. I think that part of that growing up there really fueled my fire. But uh, I made the the conscious decision in 2015 to not through hike, even though I, I was fully, you know, I was all about it in 15. And I had, um, I had a, a job interview that I, I thought went well, but I ended up not getting a, getting an offer from it in Montana. And I decided that if I was willing to not if I was willing to relocate on a whim because I was tired of my job, that I should, you know, find a new direction with my career. And I whole, I, I pushed my hike off in 2015 and I waited additional time. I waited another hiking season um, till I could control something that I felt was the most tangible, which is a, a, a major reason why a lot of folks get off the trail and it's because of money. The, the money side of through hiking is it's expensive. It, it really is. It's not, oh, well, you just go and walk. I mean, you're spending money on gear. You're spending money on, on resupply. You're spending money on your cell phone and time in town. And it's, it's really difficult for someone like myself to go past the town and not have two hot meals and have uh, maybe a beer or two uh, on the AT. I drank a little bit more than I did on the PCT. But um, that stuff is just, it sucks your bank account dry. And without that, that steady income, it, it really does affect the way that your, your hike goes. So I, I consciously, I made the decision not to go in 2015, even though I was dead set on it because I didn't have enough money. So what that did is it enabled me to plan my hike for 14 whole months. And by doing that, I was able to really control my money and make sure that I had enough money to live comfortably, to have the gear that I wanted on the trail and uh, learn a little bit more before I started. So um, if you don't have the money right, it could be a, a short hike and it, it could not be everything that, it, that it, it might be if you don't have your money right. So I, I always tell everybody, make sure you have your money right. Uh, on their AT, I recommend $1,000 a month to live pretty high on the hog. Anybody can do it less. For me, this is the right number is $1,000 a month. Um, we went and we did all of the things we didn't go without. We didn't skip town because we didn't have money. We really did and, and truly enjoy our hikes because we were able to go and, and have those uh, those side trips. On the PCT, it's and to me, it's a little bit different. Um, I, I say in the desert, you should plan on 1200 a month, and that's living pretty high on the hog. I'm going to admit, that's a high on the hog trip, but I also have that cushion should gear start to fail or things be lost or stolen, God forbid. 
So I just I think that twelve hundred is a, a good a good amount in the in the desert. Oregon and Washington, Northern California, we kind of breeze right through those, and you can definitely live on trail a lot a lot less expensive than twelve hundred. But whenever it's hot out, man, it sure is hard to to pass up a nice little trip to town, especially because there's it just seems like there's so many towns on the the PCT in the desert. So um, don't sell don't cut you know don't sell yourself short by having to pinch pennies uh, before you get halfway uh, on either trail. It can easily be done. I have a friend, Mike Spear, Goatman, who has a, a website that he, he wrote a blog post on how to through hike, plan your through hike in, in four weeks. And that's what he did. I met, I met Goatman in the Sierra Mountains on my PCT hike. We hiked for a couple days together, became pretty good friends. And then I hadn't seen him again until state not Stahican, um Winthrop Mazama Village or something like that up in Washington. And he planned his through hike in four weeks. I had planned since September of sixteen until April of eighteen was how long I, I planned for my my PCT through hike. So it doesn't have to be fourteen months, but I will say please make sure you have your money right. Without the money, uh, your hike is going to be a little bit more uncomfortable and a little bit more difficult to accomplish. So it's a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity for many people. I would hate to see anyone ever go home because they ran out of – simply because they ran out of money. And the money, for the most part, is really, really predictable, um, and it's something that you can wholeheartedly control before you step foot on on your first long-distance hike. So um, – my my P my AT through hike, uh, I worked two jobs. It wasn't always fun, and I was tired a lot, and I didn't always have uh, my priorities right. But get a second job. One thing that I, I I've previously gone on on rants about, and it's really hard for me to watch consistently. Whoops, <laughs> consistently year after year, uh, I'm scratching my head on this one because it's so difficult for me to talk about, and. To me, I could never bring myself to start a GoFundMe to go on a vacation. And I, I want you to recognize that going on a long-distance hike is a vacation. It's not, you know, it's a, a, a personal growth opportunity. You don't have to do it, do or die. Um, I really hesitate to ever have uh, money given to a GoFundMe, especially whenever it's just for somebody to go on a vacation. Uh, every year I see in these the same the same groups people posting, hey, here's my GoFundMe page, here's my GoFundMe page, and it's almost like being a bum and asking other bum to put change in your hat because all the people in the groups are the same people that are doing the same thing that you are. So um, because being homeless smells similar and kind of looks similar sometimes, it's almost the best analogy is bums asking other bums for money. And I hate to call us bums because we're sometimes we're just poor hiker trash, but think about what you're doing and, and how people might feel looking at you asking for a handout. Um, I'm so adamantly opposed to GoFundMe short of someone who is donating 100% of the proceeds to a charity. If you're, you know, supporting, you know, Hike for Mental Health or donating all your money to cancer research, whatever it is, but for people to financially gain by going on a through hike and just having a GoFundMe, and that's a hard pill for me to swallow. And as many people as I've met, I've never felt it necessary to like, ah, I'm going to give that guy a hundred bucks. I'm not. And I don't think that anybody should. I think this is something that would be so much more valuable to me as a person if 
it was something that I knew that I, I really did support myself. Um, I've had some questions. Well, how do you feel about trail magic? Trail magic is not somebody walking up to you, total strangers, and saying, hey, here's, here's $100. I want you to go and, and do, what, do what you're doing. And I will say that even in Lincoln, New Hampshire, um, I had a gentleman that I, I told him I did not – I was not in it for the money. And a guy just asked me what I was doing, and I said, I'm not – you know, I don't want a handout. Um, he gave me some money, and I, I took that money, I turned it right around, and I bought some pizza, took it back to where I was staying, and I bought beer in the next town for everybody because financially, the more you depend on yourself, the more meaningful I, th- I think that it would be, at least for me. So please, for the love of all that is holy, don't do a GoFundMe and try to get people to fund your vacation because this is the most beautiful vacation that you could ever go on, and it's a huge personal growth opportunity, but man, it's tough to watch somebody start a GoFundMe and then they just continue, oh, you know, this GoFundMe, GoFundMe. It's like, no, this is a vacation. You know, some of us have um, ha- have worked two jobs and we've made a lot of sacrifices to get out here and, and watching somebody post their GoFundMe for a hundred times is really, really depressing. So um, that being said, things like Patreon, YouTube, um, if you have an Instagram following and you can charge for sponsored posts and things like that, you're providing a service to somebody. Just simply by doing a through hike and, and uh, posting a GoFundMe, you're not really, you know, you're not really giving back that much to um, to any of your you know, anybody out there in, in GoFundMe land. So uh, Patreon's a great a great platform. Um, I think it, it was about time that the people started really getting. Uh, compensated for their creativity um, and for their dedication. Uh, I think Patreon's a, a, a great platform, but GoFundMe, nope, not GoFundMe vacation. So um, I already talked about, you know, seven hundred to a thousand dollars per month is a great uh, a great number to keep in mind. But you have to take into uh, consideration what are your off trail expenses. You know, you're going to have to pay for your cell phone. Do you have insurance? Do you have a mortgage or do you have rent that needs to be paid? What about a car payment? And one of the big ones that I, I kind of struggled with was my college loans. I was, you know, I, oh, I still owe college money. I, I owe money so I could go and get an education and have the job that I do now and live the lifestyle that I do. And it, it's, you know, something I pay for. And I want to pay for it for a long time. Um, make sure that you have all that stuff calculated into your budget. And that's beyond the 700 to $1,000 a month. Um, that stuff's all, you know, this is all planning, planning. And I, I say that it doesn't take that much planning, but you can kind of go down through, all right, what are my monthly expenses? What What's it going to be on trail? Um, one thing that, that I, I wish I had focused more on was my level of fitness. So uh, I did my first 25-mile day on the Appalachian Trail. The the spring, whenever I decided to post my postpone my hike. So it was 2015. I did my first like 25 or 20 mile day or whatever it was. And man, my feet were banged up. Um, I, I had blisters everywhere. Um, and I knew that I could physically do it. I just had to sort out the foot problems and, and things like that. But you could not spend enough time. And I always like, oh, that person's out walking around the neighborhood with their backpack on. They're probably getting weird looks. And that person's doing this and doing that. You cannot do enough shakedown hikes and you can't do enough to get your body physically in shape that whenever you show up, you know with a lot of confidence that you you won't have any issues. Um, trailsidefitness.com. So it's like, all right, uh, my buddy Lee, Lee uh, is a, a PCT, a class of 2018 PCT through hikers. His name's Lee Welton. 
And him and I kind of got into contact on, you know, just following each other on Instagram or Facebook or something like that. And uh, he was a little bit ahead of me. He started earlier than I did. And this was his first through hike. But one thing that Lee had an advantage over me on, even though this was his first through hike, is he's actually a physical therapist assistant and a personal trainer. So Lee had the step up, uh, a step ahead of me in regards to being physically ready for the trail and reacting to, you know, listening to and reacting to his body while he was on trail. So um, with that, that background that he has, he was very good at showing up ready to hike. And then as he was on trail, he could recognize the things that were happening to his body and react. Um, and he was so brilliantly uh, positioned himself by being an accomplished through hiker now. Um, he created a website called trailsidefitness.com. There's also a Facebook page, but trailsidefitness.com is his website. And what he's doing is he's trying to take his knowledge from his, his employment history with being a, a, a physical therapist assistant and a personal trainer and that knowledge that nobody else in the world has about through hiking like a through hiker. So Trailside Fitness was his way to kind of bring it full circle for him and provide and build this little community around fitness for thru-hikers because honestly, it's not the same. It's not like just, oh, I'm going to go for a run or I'm going to go for a little hike today. Whenever you're, you're beating your body up and you're carrying 20 to 30 pounds on your body day in and day out, it's really difficult for somebody who doesn't have that knowledge and experience about body mechanics and doing the right stretches and how to understand what your body is telling you like a through hiker, like Lee. So um, on his website, he talks about um, the science of trail legs. And anybody who's, you know, gotten a little bit of information on hike, on long distance hiking knows that trail legs are just, your legs become, you almost become a robot and your trail legs just really are able to carry you long distances, 20, 20 miles a day, 30 miles a day. We had a 52 mile day. I know a guy who had a 70 mile day uh, on the PCT. Um, Trail legs are something that you can you you develop on the trail because it's repetition. You're becoming a, a, a well-oiled machine. You're becoming an athlete. The sooner that you your body adapts to that um, that repetitive day in and day out, the less likely you are to be injured. Most of the injuries I've seen in five thousand miles of hiking have all been in the first ten percent to fifteen percent of the trail. There's so many people that drop off the trail early, even seasoned hikers who haven't shown up, showed up ready to go, drop off in the first, you know, the majority of people are gone the first 25, 25% of the trail in my experience. I've seen so many people drop off. So um, Lee talks about the science of trail legs. Um, he has some certain stretches and recommendations, um, how to train for your, your through hike. He also has a really cool article that's advice from injured hikers. Man, nobody knows what it's like to be injured like other people who have been injured and either able to recover or um, had to go get off trail and go home. And he has an article specific to that. He also has uh, something that I am terrible at is making videos. And he has a free download on his website, um, the top three exercises you should be doing. I can't recommend that enough. Exercising and stretching. Uh, I had some folks that I, uh, were doing yoga. Even Goatman was doing. They would do yoga uh, at the end of at the end of a day just to stretch out. You know, if it's good enough for athletes that make millions of dollars, 
it sure is good enough for uh, poor hiker trash like us to make sure that we're doing everything we can physically to help our bodies to recover and adjust and be at our peak performance whenever it comes to uh, physical fitness. Um, I can't recommend Lee's site enough. Trailsidefitness.com, he's making a big, uh, he's he's really making a, a big, um, I don't even want to say production. He's just like really throwing it all out there. And the information that he provides with his background and his knowledge is incredible. So uh, he, him and I were, were talking recently and I was like, man, you really, uh, you found a great market here. And it's another way for uh, an accomplished or seasoned or veteran through hiker to give back because I know myself included and all of my hiking friends, we love to give back to the, the hiking community. So please make sure you go to Trails High Fitness and check out Lee's website, check out his Facebook page. He's like a super nice guy. You can find him on Instagram too. We usually talk on, on Instagram DMs. Uh, it's Augustus underscore bloop, I think. Um, but just check out trailsidefitness.com. You'll find him there. Super, super nice person. And he's doing a, a fantastic job trying to help you guys that are getting ready for your through hikes to uh, show up in the best possible shape. I know I had a big difference whenever I started the AT versus the PCT. Before I started the PCT, I had uh, 200 miles under my belt in one big stretch and in Pennsylvania on the Mid-State Trail. And by day two or three, I was all cut up from briars and my feet were killing me. I had to end up switching my shoes out in the, in, on day three of a 200-mile you know, hike. Um, but I'm glad I did that. Those, those shakedown hikes, the stretching and the, 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 um, the miles that you put in pre-trail are going to help you learn that – start that learning curve just a little bit on the upswing compared to those people who just kind of show up and adapt um, as, as, as they go. So um, please make sure you're in peak physical shape or at least getting – trending that direction so that you can help to avoid those, those costly and sometimes hike-ending injuries. It's it's really sad to see people um, start out their hikes uh, and get injured right away. I know I started with Achilles tendonitis. I had it in one foot, then it went to both feet. By Franklin, North Carolina, I was crying uncle. And I kind of followed the the trend of everybody going to a zero-drop shoe. Zero drop shoe. And uh, since North, Franklin, North Carolina, I've never gone back to them. They just they didn't work out for me. Um, I, I've had a little bit of miles on them, but apparently not enough and i've i've been very successful with some some other shoes so beyond having your your physical body ready uh, i uh, there's a couple things anybody who's spent any time hiking with me uh, they've heard me say a thousand times and one of which is through hiking is a team sport and i i wholeheartedly believe that through hiking is a team sport believe it or not it really is a team sport um, in many, many facets. Maybe I should sit down and list them all out. I know I had a pretty good list going by the time I hit Canada, but through hiking is all in your head. And I would say the, not all of it, but the majority of it is. Um, and it kind of goes back to that, why are we out here? What are we trying to accomplish? What, what does success look like to us? Um, and I know uh, in 2015 is when I read Appalachian Trials by Zach Davis. Now it's become the trek. It has grown. Um, it has grown so much in the past few years as the popularity of through hiking continues to grow and will continue to grow for some time. I really think that reading the book is a fantastic start, 
but you have to figure out why you're out there and what success looks like to you. So on those days, whenever you don't want to be out there anymore in the moment, you can take that piece of paper out or just think back in your head or put it in your phone. What am I doing out here? Why am I here? What am I trying to accomplish? What does success look like to me? And just as important as what does failure look like to me? We don't like to use the word fail. And um, I was in a, a manage, managerial position for a while, and, and we were really trying to focus on leadership and, and success and failure and defining it all. And there was many times where I would intentionally use the word fail or failure in regards to something that happened or something that didn't happen to try to figure out where it was that, that we failed because it was a, a planning issue or it was a people issue or what it was. But that word failure, people are so afraid of it. And I think that word failure is why a lot of people don't through hike because they're afraid of failure and they don't understand what failure really is. I would say you're more of a failure by wanting to do it and not doing it than you are by showing up, taking one step and calling and going home because you don't like it. I would say you're more of a failure by not doing it than by showing up and quitting. So we, it's really important that we get that, get our mindset, our mindset right and we understand what success and failure look like to us and why we're there. Why are we out there? Are we out here because uh, we're trying to find ourselves. We're trying to find a new direction in life. We don't like where we're headed and we need to change it. We don't like the person that we've become because of our job. That's kind of where I was at. I was like, I always want to do this. This is a great way that I can I can do that. So really write those things down. I highly recommend reading the book, Appalach- Appalachian Trials. Very, very good book. And Zach does a great job of just explaining, hey, this is what you should do. And and you're going to be more successful because thru-hiking is so mental. I can tell you on the AT, I had a merino wool shirt, which I never recommend anymore. I don't recommend a merino wool t-shirt for hiking. No matter what anybody says, I know for three weeks in a row, I put a soggy t-shirt on every single morning and I would have to wash it out in the creek because it never dried out. I don't hike in merino wool shirts anymore. I use all synthetic. So um, it was very mentally defeating to know that the first thing I was going to do each morning was put on a a shirt that was damp with my own sweat. (laughs) It was was tough. Um, I know that, that one thing that's also important that you need to identify ahead of time is who's the person that you're going to call or persons that you're going to call whenever you're sitting there getting ready to buy a bus ticket or a plane ticket home or call somebody to come and pick you up. And this can be difficult to just figure out who that person would be. It has to be somebody that supports and loves you unconditionally. No matter what, they know the best thing for you to do would be to finish the trail because it was the best thing that it was what you chose and you, they don't want it to be on a whim that you come home because you'd had two or three bad days. Whenever I did the AT, I had uh, a girlfriend at the time who was not, which is a good indicator we shouldn't have been together, uh, was not the person that I was going to call whenever I wanted to come home. It was actually a very good friend of mine who during my AT through hike was killed in a car accident. So the person that I was supposed to call, it was no longer available. I couldn't call and, and have her talk me off the trail. And it was, I had to figure out a new way to motivate myself. And I know that I could have called many of my friends, but my number one go-to was just no longer there for me. Elise and I talked about you know, my, my desire to quit by the time I made it to mile like 450 on the PCT. Um, 
And I said, you know, what would you do if I, I called home? And she's like, I would, I would do whatever it took to make sure that you didn't come home. And, and that's why I didn't even tell her. <laughs> I didn't even tell her whenever I got to Big Bear and I, I wanted to come home because I knew even though I wanted to come home, it was where I wanted to be and what I wanted to do. And I needed to figure out what needed to give or what I needed to change to continue to walk the other 2,400 miles. 2,200 miles to get to Canada. But it's, it's important to, to get that person identified, maybe people identified ahead of time. And it's not always going to be um, the person that you think it should be. Um, I, I really recommend that you have that, that one person or those people identified ahead of time. And you can tell them like, hey, I'm going to call you and I'm going to be a little crybaby and I'm going to want to come home because it's tough. And I want you to tell me to suck it up. This is what you want. It's worth it. Get your get your head straight. Take a day off. Change your socks. Take take some ibuprofen. Go to town. Get a shower, and get back on trail in a day or two. Uh, those are the people that you need in your corner. One way to uh, identify who those people are. I had a party before I went to the. I left for the AT. I had a party at a brewery. It didn't really even cost me any money because I just invited everybody, my friends and family, and I had people come in from Pittsburgh, four hours away. People come in from Virginia. People that friends and family that I hadn't seen in maybe a year or longer uh, came in just to see me and wish me well. Those people there, I could have called any one of them at any given time and said, hey, I'm ready to come home. I'm done. And they would have talked me back off the ledge. Dylan, what are you doing? This is what you want. This is what you want to do. Stay the course, man. Any one of those people. So you don't have to spend a lot of money. You can send out some text message invites and just say, hey, we're all going to go to happy hour on this day at this time. Give them a couple weeks advance notice. Man, you'd be surprised who shows up. People love through hikers. They might not even like hiking, but people who are willing to take a chance on happiness and do something like this of this magnitude, people want to be a part of it. People want to talk about it. They want to wish you well. I highly recommend the party thing. and uh, you, you can't go wrong by having a party, even if you don't spend a bunch of money. So, all right. Uh, I, I said, there's so much information, but these are just things that I, I've learned that I, I really wish I had done right or, or done differently. Um, I, I notice a lot of trends now that I, I've kind of been through this more than once. And I, I've, I've paid attention for a couple years now. There are certain things that people do that I, I can see is not the best use of their time. A lot of it is because I've noticed it in myself. We spend an ungodly amount of time focusing on what gear we're taking. I can tell you right now where I'm sitting, I can see thousands of dollars worth of hiking gear all around me in, in, uh, in where I'm sitting in the, in the den. There's gear everywhere. I have so much hiking gear, and I can tell you, uh, what each and every item weighs because I've weighed it. I have spreadsheets. I have a, a very uh, intensive spreadsheet. But regardless of what that gear is, with or without it, it wouldn't have made that big of a difference in how successful my through hike hike was because it's more about the, my mental and physical state. So all the time that you spend looking, oh, should I get the, the Ghost Whisperer or should I get the Mont Bell Puffy? Should I get the Patagonia Puffy or should I get this tent or that tent? And we have just lists and, and ideas in our heads and it doesn't mean diddly. It doesn't matter. None of that stuff matters. You can have the lightest, the, the warmest, the driest, the heaviest, the coldest. You can have all the best gear in the world and show up and not like it 
or not understand what you're getting into because you've never been on an overnight backpack, an overnight backpacking trip. You can be successful. Your likelihood goes down a lot without knowing full well what you're getting into. So don't let your time waster be researching gear. You can get some pretty good information in a day or two about gear. You don't need to spend weeks like I did. Oh, what should I do this or should I have that spreadsheet? Stay off the spreadsheets and get in physical shape. Walk around your neighborhood. Listen to a podcast. Read quick articles. Go to YouTube. And I'll talk specifically about YouTube information, but just be be very cautious with how much money or how much time and effort and energy you put into picking out which puffy is better and which puffy you should take. It doesn't matter. There's a hundred different kinds of puffies. People who walked from Georgia to Maine wore them all. People who quit wore them all. People who didn't make it because they got hurt or injured or cold or hated it, they wore them all. There's not one that's going to make you more successful. You make you successful, not which tent you have. But I'm going to talk about gear too because it's important. And I'm going to kind of give you a really quick rundown of, of the things that I think are important and things I wish I had done differently on the AT that I had done better on the PCT. <clears throat> um, once we get all of our gear research done, we have this tendency to want to have people look at it. And I don't want to say judge us, but we use the term, help, out, help me out. What should I do here? And I've seen so many people post their gear lists in, in uh, public forums, and people have just been shredding people. I mean, just downright like rude. Like, why would you take this? You shouldn't take that. That's junk. This is Take this. This is better. Just remember that whenever it kind of comes to being, let's say it's a, a board meeting, you never want to be the smartest person in the room. You want to be drawing information from those that are more experienced, more knowledgeable than yourself. And whenever you look at those open forums where people are posting their gear lists, they're all kind of at the same playing field. So if we're all learning from the people of our same knowledge base or skill level, our learning is a lot slower. I never recommend anybody to post their, their gear list in a public forum expecting content or expecting conversation or responses from people. Like, hey, here's what I'm wearing. You don't like it. I don't, that's fine. Don't, you don't even have to comment. Um, it's really important that we do it privately. And I don't even mean privately. Just get somebody, shoot a message to somebody in the previous year's class. Somebody who's already done it. Wouldn't we want to know how the astronauts did by talking to the astronauts that have already been in space? Like, what was it like? I would say the person who knows what it's like is the best candidate to give me valuable information with an excellent knowledge base instead of, all right, well, I've, I'm, I'm going to hike this year too. This is the best stuff to take. How do you know? And I don't want it to come across as like a snob or an elitist, but you just – you don't have six months of using a backpack or six months of using uh, a, a rain jacket. You don't have that experience to draw off of. So if I could tell you to do one thing with your gear list, post it in the previous year's through hiker page. Hey, I'm hiking this year. This is the page from last year. You guys were or were not successful. What do you think I should do? You're going to get a lot more valuable information from the previous year than you are the, the current year. The experience level's not there. 
Go with the people with the experience. Do private one-on-one. I've done helped more people over the phone and more people in emails than I have by commenting in Facebook. I just somebody posts their gear list, I send them a private message. Hey, uh, here's my my resume. I'm I'm happy to help you. And I know any other through hiker would do the exact same. They would be willing to help you with your gear list or or your questions, like all of the questions I'm trying to answer now. You don't you don't want to spend your time commenting and replying and justifying what you're taking to anybody but yourself. Whenever I do a gear shakedown for anyone, I say, look, I'm going to look at your gear list. I'm going to make some suggestions. You don't have to explain anything. You don't even have to respond because you're the one that has to carry it. You don't need to justify it to me because I know what you have doesn't work for me because I've got what works for me. I'm just going to try to help and guide you. You don't have to justify it. It goes in your backpack, not mine. Um, Yeah, just please get your your information from as knowledgeable a resource as possible. It's going to make your planning or your preparation more efficient. And the more efficient you are, the more time you're going to have to get your head right and your, your body right. Focus on those things, not Patagonia versus North Face versus Montbell Puffy. That stuff's not important. In the grand scheme of things, it doesn't matter which Puffy you take. So focus on the things that are important. Um, you know, deciding on northbound, southbound, flip-flop, that's all on you. Take a look at everything that you, all the factors that would have impact your, your hike. And I'll say for all the people who complain about the through hiker bubble until you've been in it, don't talk about it. People are like, oh, the bubble's terrible and this and that. Without that experience, you don't know what it's like. I enjoyed both of my hikes and I, I can tell you on the AT, I was right in the thick of it. The first night that I camped, there was at least 50 people, maybe more, I'd say that's a pretty pretty big uh, number of people, and I never had issues where there was overcrowding and people being as rude as it sounds in uh, in these public forums. The bubble is exactly what you make of it. Sometimes it just seems like there's people everywhere, and that's okay. If you're trying to you know get away and be have a more solitary hike, go southbound. More power to you. That wasn't for me on either one of my hikes. And the CDT, it could be, depends on the weather, depends on what my goals and what success looks like to me. But man, there's nothing like having, you know, these super strong bonds and relationships with the hikers that I met, Bullseye on day three of the Appalachian Trail, kid who's coming down from Vermont. I met him in, uh, uh, outside of Gatlinburg, Tennessee. I hiked a lot. I hiked a thousand miles with both of those guys. Bullseye I met on day three. Yeah, there was a lot of hikers around, but man, a lot of them were just believably fantastic people. So don't let that, the the busyness of the trail, and I will say that you're going to get a lot more trail magic and have a lot more opportunity to make great long-lasting friendships on the, uh, in the middle of the whole, you know, in the middle of the bubble than you will when you're not in the middle of it. Because I've, I've had times where I, I, I wasn't around a lot of people on both of my hikes. Maybe a couple days, it was just a little bit slower. There's always opportunity. It just matters what what you what success looks like to you. So, uh, whenever it comes to resupply boxes and resupply in town, the AT I resupplied in town, very successful. Highly, highly, highly recommend resupply in town on the AT. It's a lot less work for somebody at home. It's a lot less for work for you ahead of time. So you're not wasting time building your boxes with food that you're not going to like um, to send to yourself, and somebody else has to 
drop them off at the post office on the AT. Unless you have some sort of dietary restrictions, there's no reason to resupply, uh, do resupply boxes. The PCT, I wanted to try something different. I also had the opportunity to get very, very deep discounted foods. I knew that I didn't make good choices in what I was eating on the AT. I ate a lot of ramen noodles. The first time I had ramen noodles on the PCT was after I reached the Canadian border and I was walking back south, a successful through hiker. Ramen noodles, it doesn't have to be that way. I actually got those in a resupply box from Kid, and I was like, man, I can't eat these, these ramen noodles until after I, I get to Canada and I'm on my way back down. So PCT, I had a great time. I'm glad I did resupply boxes. I did another podcast specifically about resupply boxes and how to do it more efficiently and things that I did that were successful, things that weren't. Check that one out. That's a really good one. If you're going to do resupply boxes, check that one out. There's a lot of information and lessons learned by me that may or may not have cost me a little bit of money and may or may not have cost at least a little bit of gray hair. So just understand there's pros and cons to both. Unless you have a dietary restriction, man, don't even worry about resupply boxes. Unless you're somebody like Jupiter who is very numbers and schedule oriented and trying to hit, uh, do uh, extreme long distance hiking like a yo-yo of the PCT or the Eastern Continental Trail. You know, it's more important that you just go on shakedown hikes and not worry about that stuff. AT, resupply in town. Your, your taste is going to change. You're going to need more calories than you anticipate about a third of the way through. So all that, the calculations and the planning ahead of time just kind of goes out the door. All right. Um, talking about gear selection, we obsess over gear. And I said earlier, I'm surrounded by hiking gear right now. I have thousands of dollars of gear that have carried for thousands of miles. That gear didn't really, uh, in the grand scheme of things, add that much to my success or failure. It was all about what, was, what shape was my body in and what shape was my head in, was my mind right. Um, that being said, you got to take gear with you. If you got to take gear with you, might as well have the best was kind of my opinion. And the best gear looks different to all of us. I wanted lightweight gear. I wanted durable gear and gear that was going to um, last for the entire through hike. I switched out a lot of gear between the AT and the PCT. New tent, new shelter because I, I took a, a, a shaped tarp on the PCT, got rid of my freestanding tent. I, sh I switched out my backpack. I didn't use a quilt on the PCT. I got rid of that before I even started. Went to a, um, back to a, a full mummy bag, which was my favorite piece of gear. So the, there's a million different combinations and nobody's gear list is going to look the same, just like nobody's through hike is going to look the same. Um, whenever it comes to focusing on gear, we feel like it gives us some sense of accomplishment. Like do, I told myself before the AT, do one thing every day to get you closer to Springer. Do one thing to get you closer to Springer every day. And sometimes it was just reading blogs. And I spent so much time and I, I had these spreadsheets and I felt like I was really getting somewhere, but in the end, I would have been just as successful with a different brand of sleeping bag or a different brand of tent. If I would have focused more on my my fitness, getting in there and, and making sure my money was saved and um, my, the beginning of my hike would have been a lot more enjoyable than it was because I really struggled, with, especially with that Achilles tendonitis. Um, but it gives us, you know, we're excited about our, our adventure. We're excited about everything. And it's really hard not to focus on the gear because we get that little bit of accomplishment. Um, and it's super, super easy to nerd out on. You can pick colors and where's the best price and what's the, the dollars per ounce. 
And is this a new model? What are the new features on it? What are the colors? It doesn't matter, guys. People walk from Georgia to Maine with very little or very much. It's about the people. So, but that being said, uh, I really highly recommend that we we start buying used gear for our first through hike, especially ahead of time. I say, guys, I, I I think I tried three or four different backpacks before I settled on the Z Packs Arc Blast for my AT through hike. That's what I used, and I actually had a problem with that about a quarter of the way into my hike, and they had to build me a brand new backpack, and they sent it to me on trail, and I was really happy. Uh, I was happy with the performance of the Arc Blast, but I switched it out for a different backpack for the PCT. On the PCT, I switched my backpack from a Palante V2, which was like the new thing. Everybody was all about the Palante V2. And uh, I had a, a like a nine-pound base weight, but it, it wasn't working for me. Once I had to add a bear can for the Sierras, which was required an additional two pounds, and then I had an ice axe, and then I also had um, micro spikes. It wasn't a comfortable carry, and, and whenever I got to Lake Isabella, my, um, Hyperlite Mountain Gear had sent me a uh, South, I'm sorry, 2400 Wind Rider, and I used that for the remainder of the trail, and I absolutely love that backpack. Maybe I should have used it on the AT. Maybe it doesn't matter because it really doesn't matter, um, but I was a lot more comfortable, and, and starting out with a nine-pound base weight and finishing somewhere around 13 maybe, Whenever I got to uh, Canada, my base weight on both hikes went up because I just started adding things to be a little bit more comfortable. Unlike most people who subtract, you know, weight on their base on their base weight. Unlike most people, I added weight. I added uh, at one point I carried for 500 miles a marshmallow skewer that we used for uh, making shish kebabs. So. Ideally, in 2019, your base weight should be below 17 pounds with the, the majority of the gear being uh, ultralight-minded or companies understanding that the weight, the, the frequency and the number of thru-hikers is going up. They're really starting to decrease the weight of their, their products. And a 17-pound base weight is a pretty heavy base weight. In the grand scheme of things, we can have, you know, at sub-10-pound sub base weight, that's pretty ultralight. Uh, 12, 13, 14, 15 pounds is a, a solid base weight, and you're not going to have to spend a billion dollars buying all of the all of the um, ultralight gear. Um, if you take your your big three, your sleep system, your your pad, quilt, whatever it would be, your sleeping bag, your shelter, tent, tarp, bivy, and your backpack, and add those three things together, as if you can keep those under 10 pounds, you're pretty much in sitting. You're sitting pretty. So try to focus on those three things, which are probably going to be your most expensive three things. Spend a little bit more money on those things and save the weight and save the, the, the stress on your ankles and feet and knees and back. Sub-17 pounds is a really, really good, um, a really good place to be at. Whenever it comes to your shelter, I, I carried a big Agnes Copper Spur II. On the PCT or on the AT, it was a two-person freestanding tent. It was like forty-one ounces plus, very heavy. That was the number one thing that I regretted was carrying a freestanding tent. We're hiking in Pennsylvania most of my life. I was ah, it always seems like sometimes it's hard to put tent stakes in. I don't recommend freestanding tents anymore ever. I really think that uh, in the direction that that I'm headed, in the direction that that the industry is headed, the non-freestanding tents, you know, maybe a trekking pole tent. 
I'm not even going to talk about hammocks because I, I carried a hammock for a while in the AT and I liked it until the bugs got at me because I was too, too worried about weight to have a great bug net. But uh, I, I highly recommend non-freestanding tents. Z-Packs, um, Mountain Laurel Designs, Yama Mountain Gear, Hyperlite Mountain Gear, they all have fantastic non-freestanding tents that I highly recommend. Now, that being said, Big Agnes, MSR, Nemo, they all make great freestanding tents. But you're going to take that weight penalty and you're probably carrying trekking poles already. So now you're carrying duplicate um, duplicate products. So I have to carry a trekking pole and I have to carry support for my tent. Why don't I just use my trekking poles for the support? So highly, highly recommend non-freestanding tents. Whenever it comes to my sleep system, on the AT I had a um, Enlightened Gear Revelation quilt, 20 degree, very popular bag. I'm sorry, quilt. And on the PCT, after a few cold nights, I decided before I left, I was going to switch to a Feathered Friends Hummingbird Nano 20-degree sleeping bag. And I added weight, and I was beyond happy to have the extra weight in my backpack knowing I could sleep a lot more comfortably in a sleeping ba- in the mummy bag than I did in a quilt. I move around a lot. I'm high maintenance. I don't like drafts. And anyone who says that they can keep the drafts completely out of their quilt has never been on top of a windy mountain in a tarp in 15, 10 degree uh, temperatures with strong winds. It's just there's always going to be an opportunity. So if I'm below 40 degrees, you are not going to catch me with a quilt. I'm going to go straight to my Hummingbird Nano. Um, But 20 degrees seems to be uh, a pretty, pretty standard temperature rating unless you're starting extremely early or starting extremely late and moving really quick. Somebody like Jupiter carries like a 40 or 50 degree quilt. Synthetic versus down. I'm a down person. That being said, whenever I go to this this hike I have planned in February, I'm going to carry my 20 degree down bag and then I have a synthetic over bag to put over top of that just because I don't want to be cold at night. If I'm not, if I don't sleep, if I don't have a good nice warm place and dry place to sleep at night. I can't sleep. And if I can't sleep, I can't hike. But it's all just a matter of opinions. Now there's external frames, internal frames, frameless backpacks. They're all good backpacks and you can successfully hike with all of them. I, I did a, a Z-Pax Arc Blast. I've through hiked primarily with my Hyperlite Mountain Gear. Osprey is a very popular brand. I tried uh, Exos, did not work for me sold it. I bought it for like 220 bucks. I sold it for 220 bucks. That's why I always say, go back to that used gear. There's so many places to buy used gear, eBay, Craigslist, and the Facebook groups are crushing it with used gear. There's so much used gear out there. Buy it. If it doesn't work, get rid of it for the exact same price. So, um, whenever it comes to clothing packed, I travel pretty light. I got base, base layers, maybe some wind gear, and that's about it. I don't carry an, you know, aside from my socks, I carry a lot of socks. I finished the AT with like five or six pairs. But um, I'm also, whenever it comes to the down puffy, I hike the AT with a Montbell down anorak, which is like a, a quarter zip or half zip pullover hoodie. It was almost like a hooded sweatshirt, but it was down. Big fan of that. I still have it. For the PCT, I wanted to be able to hike with my puffy on and hiking and down is not something that uh, I'm interested in because it, it just doesn't it doesn't dry out it doesn't insulate as well once it's damp 
and I switched to the Montbell Thermorap Parka, which is a, a lightweight, a little bit heavier than the down Anorak, not as warm, but I I wore that jacket all the time. It was a, a, a full zip hooded lightweight jacket, like a puffy. And that is my new favorite jacket. I wear it all the time. And especially while I'm hiking, there was times where I was hiking in, you know, 40, 50 degree weather and in the morning and I would hike for the first hour or two through the snow or the whatever it would be. And I would be warm because I had that, that insulating layer on that I never had to worry about being damp because it was down. So either way, it's, it's kind of up to you. On the AT, I also carried some Terramar silk base layers. They were just very lightweight and they helped to keep my down quilt from, you know, all the dirt and the oil and the grease from my dirty hiker body getting on my quilt. On the AT, I didn't wash my, I didn't wash my quilt until I got home, which then I washed it a couple of times. It was disgusting, but it would have been a lot worse had I not worn those, those sleep, the, the sleep top and bottom base layers. Other than that, my Merino wool, ice, I think they were Icebreaker brand, um, wore those. One thing that I, I I started to talk about earlier is there's certain things that you're going to have to do before you leave. Throw a party, absolutely throw a party. It's who needs another excuse than going on a through hike to party. So please do it. It doesn't have to be where you cater everything. Just tell everybody, hey, we're getting together for a happy hour. Go into the brewery. We're going to go bowling. Do something. Go and visit those people that that you know are going to miss you and that you're going to miss. So you have a little bit more of a memory and a connection before you leave because those are the people that are going to talk you off the ledge. Always decide who you're, you're going to call should the need arise that you want to, want to get home before you reach the, the, the northern terminus or the southern terminus. Whenever it comes to your shakedown hikes, do as many, do as many for a single night. Even if you're going out on day hikes, take your full gear, take everything with you as if you're going out on that that through hike, and see how things ride, see how they fit in your backpack. Those shakedown hikes are just such an important part of getting your your trail legs under you, getting that experience, so you're ahead of the learning curve, and you your hike is more likely to be successful. Do those those virtual shakedowns or or in person shakedowns from somebody who has done there, been there and done that. Get hikers involved. Hey, uh, I know you did the AT or you did the PCT. What do you think about you know my gear list? Can you help me out? Do it do it privately, just because that 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 information is going to be so much more valuable than the same people from your own class commenting and, and tearing it apart and cutting each other down because I can tell you the trail is nothing like the public forums. People in the public forums, there's so many times where I just want to smack somebody for the way that they're talking or the, the, who they're presenting themselves to be to fellow hikers. Man, we got to come together online the way that we do on the trail. The people on the trail are so much different. There's so much more camaraderie and, and companionship and helpfulness and team attitude when it comes to through hiking in the in real life compared to what there is online. So don't let those Facebook groups uh, get you down. Half the people aren't going to show up and the half of them that do don't know what they're talking about before they actually do it anyway. So don't sweat that stuff. Another thing that I'm glad that I, I wish I had I'm glad that I had done was I just kind of wrote a check uh, from one of my bank accounts to a friend. I said, "Hey, you know, if I need you to to move money for me, like this is the check to do it. Um, make sure all your money is right. It's so important." 
the uh, one of the last things that I did uh, on the AT, I sent about ten postcards home. People love postcards. I sent postcards on the PCT to total strangers. I sent them postcards just thanking them for following along or, hey, I'm out doing this. I hope you're doing something. Get out hiking. Just a little reminder to people that there's more to life than just sitting here reading blogs and updating our spreadsheets. Go and live your life. And I would send people postcards that that either helped me to accomplish this goal or helped me um, make this dream a reality or the people who are just kind of following along. So before you step foot on Georgia or on Springer Mountain or at Campo, go to the post office and buy a sheet, not a roll, get a sheet of postcard stamps. And as you get to town, all you have to do is buy a postcard at a gas station or a resort. Fill it out, hand it to the person behind the desk, say, hey, could you just drop this in the mail today for me or find where the mailbox is in town. I never had anybody say they wouldn't do it. Um, it makes people feel good. People love getting mail because right now we get more junk mail than anything. Everybody gets more junk mail. Buying the stamps ahead of time is going to make it a fourth, like a, a, a thought in the front of your head. Get people's addresses before you leave. Have that party and ask, hey, guys, if you put your address on this piece of paper, I'll make sure that I get you a postcard while I'm gone. On the PCT, I probably sent 50-plus postcards, and I gave out almost as many stamps to other hikers. And there were times I would buy postcards, put a stamp on it, and hand it to somebody and say, hey, send this to mom and dad back home. They miss you. They care about you. Because I had that previous experience with the AT. I knew how much people really appreciated getting postcards. So it seems silly, but you can really brighten up somebody's day and let them know that you're thinking about them because the day that you need them, the day that you're ready to walk off trail, that's the exact same person that you're going to call. Buy the postcard stamps. It's just that simple. It's such a such a simple thing to do and such a great idea. So um, beyond that, make sure we get our head right. Write down why you're doing it. What does success look like to you? What does failure look like to you? Write that stuff down. Keep it in a note in your phone. The other thing is I can't stress enough is get in shape. Get your body ready to go. Lee Welton is doing a tremendous job with providing you with the resource at trailsidefitness.com to be able to draw from that uh, that base of knowledge that he's already got as a physical therapist and as a personal trainer and a thru-hiker class of 2018. He's got that already taken care of for you. You don't have to go and research it. Go right to his website. Check it out. I'm uh, really proud of Lee for doing that, and I, I know that he is more than willing to help out any other future potential through hikers. So a lot of information here. Please, by all means, if you have questions, reach out. Dylan at N-I-K-N-O-T Outdoors. Nick Knott, Tonkin backwards. D-Y-L-A-N at N-I-K-N-O-T Outdoors. Find me on Instagram at D-S Tonkin, T-O-N-K-I-N. Reach out through Facebook, whatever it is you got to do. I am beyond happy to help anybody uh, increase the likelihood of their success for their AT, PCT, whatever you want to do. Even if you just got a question, please, I'm happy to help. Hopefully this is a little bit more insight and help you to reprioritize where you're going to be with the day that you step foot on that beautiful life-changing experience of through hiking. I cannot recommend it enough. The, the more I, I see people making excuses, the harder I want to push them to go and do it. And I can't do it because of my job. No, you can't do it because you don't want to. 
If you wanted it bad enough, you would make it a priority and you would work seven days a week like I did. You would get a second job. You would sell your your big house like kid did or whatever. You would make it a priority. And even if it's, you know, not this year, if it's next year, don't try to put it off until, you know, three years from now, four years from now. If you do that, it's too easy to not make it a priority. Like, ah, I got plenty of time to save for it. Two years. Unless you're like, getting ready to retire or retire in five or six years, man, you don't know that it's going to be able to happen. You can always find another job. Like it or not, we can always find a new job. So make your happiness a priority and you will thank yourself from a year ago, six months ago, uh, for giving yourself the opportunity to do it. So, all right. I really appreciate you guys tuning in. I got a lot of good guests coming up. Uh, Chad Wells, the, the chef, Chad North of North by North products, Jeff Coates, pit boss, waterfowl on Instagram, who is tearing it up. Uh, going to do a hunting recap, going to sit down with kid and wheels before we go on our four day hike in February. Please check out Lee Welton's website, trailsidefitness.com. Thank you for listening. I really appreciate all of you, and I hope that everybody is having a great winter. The rain has slowed down here on the East Coast, which we are very grateful for. So thanks for tuning in. I really appreciate you guys. Take care. Thanks.